welcome to the Writer Dojo with your hosts, Steve Diamond. Buenos dias. And Larry Correa. What's up? This week's episode, Grand Theft Story. All right, everyone, we're back. We're back. You, you know you love how we, how we always try to come in with saying hi to y'all. I don't know if I started that ridiculous idea that every time I was going to say hello in a different way, and I think I've managed to do it every episode so far, but I'm like really scraping the barrel. All right. Today, Larry and I want to have a little bit of fun for this episode. This episode is basically like the literary version of Grand Theft Auto. Yep. It's ripping stuff off without ripping it off. It's right. how to be unique and original, even though everything has been done. How many times, Larry, have you been watching a movie or reading a book and you're like, dang, that's a great idea. I wish I would have come up with that. Oh, many eh, times. I'll just take it. It's fine. <laughs> well, I get this all the time where I'll go to panels and people will be like, you know, I had this really good idea, but then this movie came along and, and did this thing and now I can't do it. But here's the problem with that. People have been telling stories and writing books and making movies and, you know, drawn on cave walls. Millions of creative people have been telling stories for thousands of years. So if you think you have a unique original idea that's never been done before, you are probably wrong. Somebody has probably done it before. Yeah. And I mean, they've probably done it better than you too. Or they did it different. Totally different. Now, one of the, to start this off, I want to talk about our own story, mine and your book, uh, Servants of War, because this idea literally came from us already working in an IP with an established story and canon and, and ideas that were already there. And then everything went south. And then we were like, well, shoot, let's just steal all that and scrape some serial numbers off and then twist it to our own devices. Yeah, very specifically, Steve and I had teamed up. um, There was a, we won't name any names, but there was a publishing house that was doing a series of books for a company that had its own world, its own setting for a game. And um, in this particular setting, they have these different factions of this war game that fight each other. And these were the pseudo-Russians, basically. Uh, And... Steve and I talked to the editor, and we had put together a big pitch. And we put quite a bit of work into this pitch. That was a long outline, and we revised it heavily. Yeah, it was a good outline, though. So we we came up with this really good outline that fit their world, because we both played this war game. And so we gave them this outline and said, okay, this is uh, is our pitch. And then basically the deal fell apart. The editor left that publishing house. I think that publishing house collapsed. Or they It still barely exists. Oh, okay. So the whole thing just fell apart, and uh, everybody just kind of went their separate ways, leaving Steve and I with this outline set in this game world. And we were just kind of looking at it going, well, oh, well. Oh, well, that was a complete waste of time, even though we had this really cool yeah. story that we came up with. And then, you know, fast forward a few years later, and I get this random text from Larry. He's like, hey, dude, uh... Tony Weisskopf wants another book from me. So do you care if I, what, what if we picture this idea that we, you know, that outline we have and we just scrub the serial numbers? I said, yeah, sure. Cool. Yeah. And then like 20 <laughs> minutes later, Larry sends me a text. Hey, so she's cool for that. So uh, uh, welcome to Bane, I guess. <laughs> now, now you guys know how I became a, a novelist for Bane. 
Okay, so you guys got to understand. This is a very I'm, short story. My, my wife will say she has to be very careful that she's like, you know, we should do this because then I'm the guy that just immediately goes and does it. I'm a trigger puller, so I, I don't hesitate. And I got to be careful with that because I drag my friends into a lot of crap. But um, It's fine. So in this case, what we did is we took the outline that was set in a very specific world with very specific rules, and we had to throw away basically everything. Yeah. Um, we had to scrap all their setting and come up with our own setting. The only thing we did keep was pseudo-Russia yeah. versus pseudo-Germans. Yeah, totally not Russia versus totally not Germany. Yeah, and so we basically had a it's, – so it's still kind of a World War One type setting. Mm-hmm. Um, beyond that, though, we basically tossed – Pretty much everything. Yeah. I mean, it, well, especially the, the heavy details. You know, the broad strokes are are roughly in the same places. Well, a lot of the stuff that they, they when they had their original setting, was basically stolen from, like, Russian folklore mm-hmm. anyway, uh, and Eastern European and Slavic folklore. All that was fair game. And so that stuff we went with. So we wound up with a world with, like, dark fairy tale magic. Yeah. But uh, basically all the, the stuff that was IP-specific, yeah. gone. Yeah, you know, there there are all these these giant walking robots going around in that setting. We were like, dang, well, we can't do that. What can we do that's cooler, though? Yeah. And, and, and that, and literally, guys, that's what, that's basically the questions that Larry and I were asking each other while we were deciding how we wanted to, to write the story. It was, okay, we, we can't do that because we're not allowed because we'll get sued yeah. and getting sued is bad. Well, it's another so, reason we're like, we're big fans of people doing fan fiction mm-hmm. and save that stuff because you never know when you can then, you know, scrub the serial numbers off it and make it your own thing. Yeah. And so that's what we did. We said, okay, how do we, how do we make this cool aspect that, that we sort of liked in this other setting that we were forced into? How do we, how do we turn that and make it even cooler and very us? Well, on the bright side too, all the stuff in the setting that we didn't like Gone. We gutted it. Everything that I thought was dumb or everything that was like already established in their universe, like the story that I just just disagreed with what they had done before, gone. We could just ditch all that stuff and replace it with stuff we thought was cooler. You know, it's really cool though. I mean, by, by starting with that seed in that story where it was, it was, okay, we, we have to, we have to take these ideas from these other people. And that was initially the direction we were going. Um, And in fact, it was. The book was, that we were going to write, it was a sequel. It was going to be very much like um, like the old Forgotten Realms type series that you saw where it's a yeah. trilogy, but every book is written by a different individual. Yeah, so it's like, it's like written by an individual from a different faction for each yeah. of the books. And, and you know, they asked us to do that, and, and Larry and I were cool with it. We read the first book, and we both kind of went, eh. It was okay. <laughs> it had some good bits. So so we, we kind of were like, okay, well, what do we got to do to actually, like, if I wanted to read this book, what, what kind of stuff do I want, do I want to put in this? And the cool thing is from being initially pressured into like, okay, you have to include this, you have to do this, you have to have this. And then we, we looked at it and once everything, you know, it it was obvious we weren't going to be able to write that book anymore. And we looked at it and we said, you know what? Dang, there's some cool ideas here though. Yeah. We can totally spin this. And I mean, it's not even, I mean, it's not even an argument. This book that you and I wrote is a gajillion times better than oh, that, how that book would have been. Better. Yeah, no doubt. But this brings up just, this is just an example of many. Uh, people get hung up on this subject a lot and they think, I can't write this book because it's been done before. Okay, so for example, whenever I hear that, the example I use is Monster Hunter. 
If you were to boil Monster Hunter down to its very most basic premise, it's that monsters are real and people fight them in secret. Yeah, that's been done a few times. Okay, but if you think about that as a premise, that's, you know, Van Helsing. That's Buffy the Vampire Slayer. That's Men in Black. That's a hundred other properties. It's It's supernatural. Every horror novel that's ever been written. Every horror novel that's ever been written. It's basically anything that's got, that's the same premise. If you boil down most things to their very most fundamental things, it's all been done. Most sci-fi has been done to death. Any big idea you have in sci-fi, odds are someone's already come up with it. Uh, Any big idea you have in fantasy. It's one thing that kind of amuses me is you see these critics get all hypercritical. And they're like, well, this fantasy story is just a ripoff of this other fantasy story. And we're like, well, what what do these two have in common? They have a dragon. Yeah. Oh, wow. Whoa, mind oh, blown. You got, you got him there. Woo. Yep. Because, <laughs> nope, you can't ever have dragons in anything else from now on. I saw somebody the other day said, well, you know, MHI is basically just the same story as Harry Potter. And I was like, what? Oh, is this the one where they said it's just Harry Potter with guns? It's Harry Potter with guns. I was like, I was like. How? And they're like, they're like, it, Owen does have a scar. They go, well, the main character has a scar <laughs> and they fight the forces of evil and they both have friends. The main character has friends. And I'm like, dang, I didn't know that we weren't allowed to write about I was friends like, anymore. Uh, okay. <laughs> I was like, well, sir, I mean, they're also mammals. <laughs> yes. Yes. And quote unquote, things, things. happen. Oh, yes. There's monsters. Oh, and somebody's like, well, one has a werewolf boss. The other has a werewolf teacher. Uh, I'm like, oh, man. Yeah, okay. Uh, That's basically, it's basically the same novel. Yeah. Except I mean, for, you can imagine Harry Potter with a 300-pound pit fighter <laughs> freaking killing machine as the as Harry Potter. Or just imagine Harry Potter with a freaking AR-15. I was imagine Harry Potter, if Harry Potter starred Owen Pitt, that book would be done in the first book. And he would have just like snapped Voldemort's neck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that that's... No, totally there's... different. Yeah. But the thing is, guys, don't get too hung up on that. Anything you come up with... As, here's the key, though. As long as you put your unique spin on it. Look, while while every story, basically, has been told, okay? That, I don't think there's really any arguing that. At, to, its, to its core fundamentals, everything's been done. Every now and then there is a truly original story, and it's usually weird as crap. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But so, so all of that has been done. However, what hasn't been done is your own voice because it turns out that, uh, that everyone has diversity of thought, um, to use the, the D word. Um, everyone thinks a little different. Everyone's voice is a little different. And so I remember this was, this was either LTUE or world horror. I think it was LTUE. I was in a panel that was, it was a horror panel because it, it was me. And we split up the entire group. It was like a two hour long panel and we split up everyone into groups and we all started with the same basic premise of a story, the same story seed. And the, I think there were six or seven of us in this, in this panel. Maybe you were in it. I don't remember. I don't remember this one. So we split it up and then the idea was to kind of create a story with, with the individuals that were in your group. And there's probably 15 to 20 people in there. Based on the same story. Yeah. Seed. And everyone 
everyone's story, even though it all came from the same idea, everyone's story was so radically different and it all had their own unique voice and spin on it. And I think that that's, that's the biggest thing here is it doesn't matter if it's been done before. No, no one cares. It, it, it's everything's been done. Everyone's done Star Wars. Yeah. Oh yeah. And yet a lot of people are still out there making really good money telling these space opera sort of sort of actiony cool politically charged stories yeah right well for example um galaxy's edge by uh nick cole and uh, jason onspotch yeah. is very much i believe they looked at new star wars and they were just disappointed in it and they said you know what we're sci-fi authors we can do that big swashbuckling space opera space war future cool story yeah. and they've from what I've seen, cleaned up. They are doing really, really extremely well because there is a market for that. People are hungry for that, uh, and they're and they're doing their own thing. Then, so the key is don't don't copy people. Don't when we we were joking about ripping people off. Don't plagiarize. That's evil. Okay, please, that's like the worst thing ever. Please don't do that. No, that's just awful. And I've been as a guy who's been directly plagiarized. Really, when did this happen? Oh, a couple times. Uh, the, the first one was this little tiny game company, basically took the plot of MHI and did a module. And all they did was change people's names. Oh, I the remember this. The dialogue was the same. No way. Yeah, it was bad. Like Earl became some guy named Bear, <laughs> and they changed the freighter. the The action scene was the the uh-huh. mission was the freighter. Yeah, they changed it from a French freighter to a Russian freighter. That totally was, different. It was the same. It was the same damn story. Um, no, but and then I, I've had individual things ripped off before, and that's disgusting and it's annoying, but it is what it is. So when I'm talking, we're talking about ideas. We're talking about that kind of thing. And for example. If you see a character that's a super awesome character, there's nothing wrong with taking that fundamental like character sketch and putting them in an entirely different setting. Like like I did with John Luther. Yeah, I was like, yeah, John Luther, you know, Sacramento werewolf cop. Yeah. Totally different thing. Totally different thing, but came from John Luther. It's still the same kind Idris, of person. Because Idris Elba in that show is awesome. Yeah, and so you can draw inspiration from characters. Uh, that is perfectly fine, especially when you mix and match things from different things and you put them together and they clash in interesting ways. Um, it's, it's a little dirty secret of Hollywood that when they're pitching stuff, it's almost always their elevator pitches. This franchise meets this franchise. Like Monster Hunter's X-Files meets the Expendables. Right. You know what I mean? And so it's always you take a, a thing that people can kind of relate to and you take another thing they can kind of relate to and you plug them together and there you go. All right. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about some of the do's and don'ts. So we'll be right back. Meet Jack Bishop, a normal kid at a normal school who is shocked to discover that he has the unexpected ability to see psychic residue left behind by both murder victims and monsters. When his father is abducted from the mysterious company where he works as head of security, Jack teams up with fellow student and mind reader Alexandra to search for his father and stop the series of murders happening in his hometown before it is too late. Steve Diamond's debut novel, Residue, is a young adult supernatural thriller for readers looking for action, suspense, humor, and horror. Residue is available on Amazon or wherever books are sold. Pick up your copy today. All right, everyone. Welcome back to the Writer Dojo. We are back, and we are talking about Grand Theft Literary 
stuff, auto, whatever you, however you want to call it. And, you know, we talked a little bit about, you know, the idea of everything's been done, but it hasn't all been done your way. So well, don't, don't get, don't get discouraged by Star this. Star Wars and Hidden Fortress are the same basic plot. I mean, literally. Literally, but totally different things. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about some of the do's and don'ts then. Because I think, you know, we've been talking about, hey, do this, but don't do this uh, in terms of like, like specific ideas and stories and stuff and, and kind of what we did with our own for, for Servants of War. But I can imagine that there's quite a few people out there who are, who are like, dang it, where is, like, is there a line? Like, where is this line? What, how do I know if I'm, how do I know if I'm infringing on an IP or how do I know if I've twisted this to my own? Yeah. If it's, I would say if, if it's really blatantly obvious what you've done, then you have not personalized it enough. It is, if it's still obviously, if it reads like mix, what do you call it? Mix match, mismatch fan fiction where you like collide two worlds together and it still is obvious what everything is, then you haven't done enough work. You have put your own spin on it. Is it, you know, I like to compare it to the, uh, there's, there's always the internet meme that goes around of um, Stalin and his people like executing everybody. And then it's like, oh yeah, that was terrible. And then it puts party hats, like someone like Photoshop's party hats on them and is like, no, no, this is democratic socialism. It's totally cool. <laughs> right? Yeah, now it's better. Now it's now it's it's now it's, it's totally not the same thing. Because look, there's a party hat. <laughs> yeah, right. Don't, don't do that. I mean, if you just basically like put a hat on Stalin, then obviously that's still Stalin. If if, if you just like put you know Darth Vader in uh, a suit of armor and give him a sword instead of uh, instead of a lightsaber. You know, and it's basically the same exact thing. No, you haven't done your work. There's nothing wrong with being inspired by ideas, but you can't just lift them wholesale. That's lazy. It's annoying. And, you know, there's a, there's another thing, too, that writers do. that I, This really bugs me. It's when they refer to, oh, I'm just doing a oh, an homage. Uh. You know, where they basically just take somebody else's IP, usually by an author who's dead. Yeah. And they just basically just write their thing. Yeah, that's how we've seen a lot of bad Conan pa- pastiches. Yeah, and that 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 bothers me. I mean, and it's not technically. I mean, how many Sherlock Holmeses are there? So know? many. I mean, shoot, I, I love Sherlock Holmes. I would love to write a Sherlock Holmes story. Yeah, but there's a lot of there's a sea of bad man, ones. There's so many bad ones. And I'm not telling you not to. If, if somebody wants to go write a thing that's out there just in the public domain, then by all means, like I said, I'm in favor of fan fiction. Have fun. Um, but be very careful because, you know, make sure when you're doing that, if, if you're doing the homage, make sure you're respectful to the one that I'm thinking of is little fuzzy. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. And and that was like, I'm reading the reviews of people who grew up on that story, H. Beam Piper and just Mm -hmm. loved it. That story meant a lot to him. And then they read the modern version that totally like misses the boat entirely and does its own thing. Or, uh, uh, here's one from the news right now, the new version of He-Man. Oh, yeah. Have you seen everybody's reaction on that? I, yeah. I am a little too old. I missed the He-Man thing when I was I, a kid. I was never really into He-Man. I was more G.I. Joe. I, see, I, love, I am a G.I. Joe. So oh, that's true. <laughs> I'm spreadsheet. Damn it. But uh, <laughs> literally, I am spreadsheet, the G.I. Joe. That is true. Just so you understand. <laughs> I mean, I think I'd been working with Larry for like a few weeks when that issue came out. <laughs> and that was all I heard in the office for months was... was Dang it, Steve, do what I say. I'm a G.I. Joe. 
I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure that's exactly how I it fought went. Cobra, I'm Steve. No, but um, but that was one where a lot of lot of lot of fans and stuff felt betrayed because it totally ditched the original. They they sidelined the main character and instead did the strong woman thing. And well, and oddly enough, I mean, the new Star Wars trilogy is a ripoff of itself, poorly done. Yeah, you that's know what I mean. So bizarre. It's it's so oddly. It's so oddly bad at ripping off itself. It's a beat-by-beat beat recreation that misses the magic. Yeah. Yeah, so I guess what we're saying is, and those are all like not even copying because it's the same IP uh, by yet. people who hold the IP, yet it's bad. People, fans don't like that. Remember we said about rules, guys, there's not really any rules. You either make your readers happy or you don't. In this case, or in this case, viewers, they're making their viewers unhappy. So the key here is, I mean, to what you want to avoid is don't take take the fun, take the cool stuff, take the stuff people like, put it out there, give it your unique spin, make it yours, make yeah. it something new, make it something unique. All these stories have been told. Uh, like we had that episode where we read the guy, you know, the the th- the letter from the guy is like how genre or genre is based on plot or whatever. Yeah, that's stupid. And how we said that you know Star Wars and Saving Private Ryan are the same, pl- you know, basic plot <laughs> by that standard. Well, No Country for Old Men can be set in any plot that you want. So, I mean, what is it then? Well, it's interesting. I, I mean, I did a, I did a story that's basically uh, a, a dirty dozen type story. Uh, set in a fantasy world with, you know, knights armed with mad science lightning swords. Um, totally different, had nothing to do really with the movie other than the idea of it was a gang of criminal soldiers. It was a bunch of soldiers that were outcasts, misfits, and, uh, and when they gathered them together into one unit, there was just a bunch of scrubs who were supposed to go die, and they didn't. They actually turned out to be really, you know, hardcore. Um, and I did that. This was, a, you know, it's considered a dirty dozen story. But it's its own thing, you know? And so there's nothing wrong with taking those themes, those ideas. I mean, it's kind of like the movie uh, Yojimbo. Yeah. yeah uh, sure. Is a fistful of dollars, yeah. is uh, Last Man Standing. Yeah. All three are wildly different, different settings. Yeah. They're their own thing. You know, I mean, and again, I mean, you can go, you can go back and forth between westerns and samurai dramas all day, right? Because oh, yeah, they all do it. They're the same kind of story. I mean, to the point where, I mean, uh, Unforgiven. I mean, they literally made a, a shot-for-shot remake of it, but they were all samurai. Yeah, when I heard they were which remaking, is awesome. when I heard they were remaking Unforgiven, I was like, "Oh, gross! That's awful! That's stupid!" And then I think it was you that told me about it. And you're like, "Yeah, but it's a samurai movie starring Ken Watanabe." I was like, "What?" Yeah. <laughs> And suddenly yeah. I was all in. Yeah. It's odd how, how some things do that. I mean, shoot, um, you know, Residue, right? That that book is is directly inspired by the show Chuck. Yeah. Yeah, you've talked it's, about it's, that before. Yeah. It's what if Chuck were supernatural instead of like weird technology? Eh, I mean, I throw a little weird techno horror in there. Mm-hmm. And then I said, I said, oh, you know what this needs? It needs a little bit of uh, Brian Lumley's necroscope in here. Because that stuff's weird and gross. Yep. yep. And, and so I squished all that together. Like, and... Well, but where does Lumley... Where did Lumley get a lot of his Lovecraft. stuff? Lovecraft. Lovecraft. Yep. And and every horror author has borrowed from Lovecraft. A- every every horror author, if you're a horror author and you haven't... And you haven't borrowed liberally or had, or had fun playing in the Lovecraft realms, 
man, you, you need you need to go back to school. Well, Stephen King's probably the most famous horror writer of uh, of modern time, of all right? Time, yeah, yeah, he's borrowed heavily from Lovecraft. Yep. Um, and the thing is, and so this stuff is well, every fantasy author. Once again, going back to Tolkien. Uh, Tolkien is considered the godfather of the fantasy genre for a big obvious reason. And he has inspired everybody. And so you see a lot of his stuff shows up. Yeah. And, you know, it's, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. So, I mean, basically what I'm getting at here, guys, is don't copy, don't lift wholesale. Look at th- themes, look at cool ideas, and and go with it. I think we mentioned that another time uh, somebody watching a movie about an alien invasion, but the movie was about a bunch of boring people. And at one point, a bunch of Marines run by in the background doing dynamic stuff, but the you know the camera stays with the boring people. And somebody's like, "Oh man, I wanna I wanna see their story during this." Fifteen and then, minutes later, yeah, and then like a year later comes out, you know, Battle Los Angeles, which was basically that movie. Um, it's the same kind of thing, you know. To 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 use our the you know the term that we keep throwing around a little bit. You know, tongue in cheek, the whole Grand Theft Auto sort of thing. Same thing, right? Like, how, how do you how do you get rid of that car? You take it to a chop shop, you replace parts, you steal stuff, you remove stuff, you repaint it, you change you change the engine. You know, like you do a whole bunch of work on it to make it your own, and then in general, most people aren't going to do it. Now, the interesting thing about some of this, there there is a, a literal benefit to this. Um, and this is, this is complete marketing speak. Okay. And that's so many people are, there is a, there is a proven monetary benefit to people reading or enjoying something that they are familiar with to a certain degree. And there's that, there's that saying where it's like, yeah, it's like 80 or 90% the same. And then like. 10 or 20% different. I think it'd probably even be more, it'd probably be more like 20% the same, 80% different by the time you get done. By the time you're done, yeah. Yeah, because I think it's just, it's kind of like when a chef, you could have two chefs cook the same dish. And they're going to put their own spin. But they're going to put their own spin on it. They're, they're, they could be cooking off the same basic dish, same basic recipe, same ingredients, but they're going to taste different. Mm-hmm. It's the same kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I like steak as much as the next guy. Um, probably more so. Um, what you guys, what you guys don't know is how much I enjoy smoking and I don't mean cigarettes or weed. I mean, meat. Steve is hardcore. I, I, I love it. And that if, man makes a mean brisket. And you know, and if you, you know, if, if you guys love us enough, maybe I'll post some barbecue videos for you. But, um, you know, I, I can do all this and, and I can put my own spin on it and stuff, but when it comes down to it, it's a steak and people know what a steak is. They know how to enjoy that steak. And then what I do to it is what takes them to a different place. You know, what I do to a brisket is what takes them to a different place. And I think, and I think it's the exact same thing with, with writing. Um, you know, you and I could write, we'll shoot with, with Servants of War. At its core, it's a fantasy story. Okay? Yeah. Fantasy. Now, if you would have written that story all on your own, it would not have had near as much horror as it has because I'm writing it with you. 
And that's and, and I think that that was part of the the draw for you and I writing this story. It was it was dang. You know, Larry writes awesome action. He he's he's great at all these things. Well, I went. Steve writes I, really good horror. Yeah. This could be really cool. Well, that's like the thing because like that's going to be like your big job on your next pass is because we had to change so much plot stuff and yeah. I had to change some of the action sequences and stuff to go back through and you know horrors of war that up. Yeah, you have to be very careful how you say these words. Horrors. Of Horror war. is that extra. Well, actually, there are horrors of war in this I book, mean, <laughs> but, but in general, what we mean is that extra horror is very important. Yeah, we got this whole, like, Wild West-style boomtown that basically follows the front around, you know. I mean, there's literally a scene about this stuff. Yeah. Anyway, um, you know, it's it's so important, though, that people understand and and have no fear going into this. Yeah. Don't limit yourself artificially just because you're worried that someone's going to, and we'll talk about Mary Sue's, but that's the other one. People were, people gotten to the point now because of critics that they are afraid to put any trait that they have in common with the main character, uh, because they're worried critics are going to say bad things. They're afraid now to use any sci-fi trope or any fantasy trope in a book because, oh my gosh, it has a dragon. That's been done before. Well, no kidding, because they're wildly popular and people love stories with dragons in them. Well, and uh, you know, I'm I'm a huge, huge fan of The Expanse. I love that series, yeah. And I think, and I think the two guys, uh, Ty Frank and, and um, Daniel Abraham, writing that story together, I think they do awesome things. What I love about that series is how they're like, oh yeah, it's a space opera, except for you know, in that first book, it's also a, a detective noir series. And then in the second book, it's also military fiction. In the third, it's religion. In the fourth, it's like Western boomtown. In the fifth, it's straight up terrorism. Like they're trying, they, they are putting their unique spin on a space opera genre that, I mean, gosh, everyone, I mean, space opera has been done a billion times. Yep. And yet it's one of the best science, in my opinion, it's one of the best science fiction series out there. And it's wildly entertaining. The characters are awesome in it. Yeah. And it's funny because I, when I did my sci-fi, my space opera story, uh, the one I – it's all set in the same universe. I did one with John Brown, which wound up having a very adventure feel. Yep. And then I did another one, same universe, was a gritty cop show, mm-hmm. you know. And the other one is just basically military sci-fi tank battle. Yeah. You know, so it's like – it's really interesting. This stuff is out there, and even if you're working with somebody else, you can't help but put your unique spin on it. It's, I, but don't – I think that's got to be the key, though, is unique. It's got to be you. It can't be yeah. the other guy because then it, – let's come back where we talk about the, the pastiche, you yeah. know, where they borrow so heavily they're basically just pretending to be the other dude and just straight up – it feels like a ripoff. Whether yeah. it's not – you know, it's not actually a ripoff, but it's, it's too much. It's not the, it's not unique. It's somebody else. I was talking to an artist friend of ours, and he was talking about, you know, how he learned in the beginning was was by painting and doing things that that he'd seen other people do. And and I think that's pretty common. You know, we're all heavily influenced, and, and when we're we're very young and we're we're trying to to learn our way in whatever our our art discipline is, we. We tend, to, we tend to imitate and emulate, right? Yeah. But one of the things that he said that I think, I think applies to this very well is um, 
he, I remember he was he was telling me, and this was pretty recently actually. He was telling me he he was talking to a teacher of his, an art an art teacher, and he had done this he done this um, basically a rework of a Frazetta painting, and he, he did it all out and he showed it to the art teacher, and the art teacher's like, "That's a cool copy. You can't do anything with it. What I mean, is that all you're going to do? Are you, this this isn't anything. You can't do anything with it." And that stuck with him so much that he's like, okay, I get it. If I'm going to copy and like literally copy something to get a mechanic down, cool. But no one's going to see that. Now, what I can do, though, is be inspired by that artist and then make something of my own. Um, Absolutely. And, and I think that that's the key here, guys, is never be afraid. We, Larry and I always talk about tools in the toolbox and don't, don't ever throw away any of your tools. Make sure that you always have them. Um, you never know when you're going to need them. You never know when they're going to be useful to you and straight up seeing ideas, uh, out there. I mean, shoot, Larry, you and I, 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 I can't even count the number of times after we've seen a movie or we've seen a show. Um, we sit down and we're like, dang, what if what if that show had gone this direction? Oh yeah, you know. And so, what I, if what if they had done this thing that makes sense instead mm-hmm. of what they did? <laughs> right. Or sometimes it's even a show that it's even something that we really like. There's a specific example I have in mind, but I don't want to say it because I'm actually doing something with it. And I remember you and I at a Gen Con were having this conversation, and we we're like, "Oh my gosh, we love this show. What if though it had gone this other way? It would have been so awesome." And then we both started just spitballing and going back and forth on it. I mean, that stuff happens with you and I all the time. Ideas are everywhere. Yeah, it's common writer brain stuff right there. And so if you are intentionally limiting yourself by saying, eh, I, I can't do that. Someone else has already done it. All, the only person you're hurting is yourself. And then in the long run, you're hurting any potential reader who could be reading your stuff with your unique voice. So with that, guys... Um, go out there, write. Don't be afraid to, to you know, Grand Theft Auto your way uh, into the business um, in a legal way. And, you know, keep writing. Keep doing the good stuff. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you on the next one. Writer Dojo is Steve Diamond and Larry Correa. Produced by Jack Wilder and Baron Hare Studios. Theme song, Word Mercenaries by Craig Nivo. New episodes come out every Wednesday, wherever you stream your content. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can help support us by going to anchor.fm slash writerdojo, by leaving us a five-star rating or review, and by helping to spread the word. All questions and comments can be emailed to questions at writerdojo.com. Dang it, Steve, do what I say. I'm a G.I. Joe. <laughs>